morning, Missio. Today's scripture is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So, Missio, we have just wrapped up our Advent series looking at the prayers that surround Jesus' birth. And we're kind of like right in this weird moment where We have one Sunday left of 2020, and then we begin the 2021 season. And so to lead us into 2021 and where we're going, we wanted to take this Sunday to set up what's happening in the new year and to close out 2020. And to do that, we're going to begin a series in the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is maybe what you could describe as unconventional wisdom of the Bible. There's conventional wisdom all throughout the Bible, the book of Proverbs. And conventional wisdom is the kind of wisdom that we are familiar with. Conventional wisdom is helpful, and it's good, and it guides us through kind of normal, regular life. Conventional wisdom says we shower every day because people like when you smell clean. You know, that's conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom says that if you work hard and act with kindness and show up on time, you'll probably do okay at work. That's conventional wisdom. But there are some moments in life where conventional wisdom no longer seems to work. Where the calculation A plus B stops equaling C. Sometimes life goes awry and we are totally disabused of any notion of control or calculation or determination. Sometimes life brings pandemics. Sometimes life brings job losses and business closures and months of quarantining and even the loss of loved ones. And these moments from 2020 are beyond conventional wisdom. There was nothing we could do to prepare for them. There was no amount of work we could do to be a good enough employee to not lose a job or have ourselves furloughed. There was nothing that we could do to prepare for the loss of life or loneliness and isolation that COVID would bring. It was unexpected. It defied conventional wisdom. And in moments like this, when conventional wisdom doesn't seem to make sense of the world in which we find ourselves in, which our notions of control are disavowed, we need unconventional wisdom, which is what we find in the book of Ecclesiastes. This ancient wisdom text is about wisdom for folks who find themselves in a weird space, in a strange place when their conventional wisdom is no longer working. Maybe they've tried all of it or found themselves in a difficult space and conventional wisdom is no longer working. And for the writer of Ecclesiastes, the theme that begins to undergird this unconventional wisdom is repeatedly recognized with the word vanity or meaningless. And the Hebrew word translates specifically and most literally to the phrase vapor. 
And all throughout this unconventional wisdom, the teacher or the writer of Ecclesiastes uses this phrase, vapor, to describe the way that our lives are so often outside of our control or thinking. We think that we're in charge. We think that we have some notion of something. And he's like, no, it's just a vapor. It's passing so quickly. We can try our best. We can do all the things that are in our control. But no matter how hard we try, this thing hangs by a string. Life is but a vapor. And so as the writer of Ecclesiastes wrestles with this, this reality that life is a vapor, he begins to wrestle with what do we do in this? And I think one option is that we can grow cynical and be like, well, if life is a vapor, it doesn't matter at all. But the writer of Ecclesiastes actually doesn't let us live in cynicism because he presses us deeper into the heaviness of life. He's like, you think cynicism is the right response? Well, actually, let me show you how dark this thing gets. You're going to die. Cynicism isn't a good option at all. Instead, the writer of Ecclesiastes leads us past cynicism, past defeat, and into something, I think the only way to refer to it is into a strange joy. A joy that wraps itself around the heaviness of life, the monotony of life, the lament of life, and invites us in the midst of this vaporous existence to be here fully present right now. And that's the wisdom that Ecclesiastes is inviting us into. This teacher who speaks in the book of Ecclesiastes asks us to acknowledge the realities that we're in um, and then be awake to the strange joy. Um, The places where we can see um, goodness and beauty the places that we can um, taste enjoyment and celebration and laughter. And so the book of Ecclesiastes, like Johnny said, um, invites us into these practices. And so we're going to be looking at those practices. We're going to be looking week by week at the different chapters in Ecclesiastes. And so we wanted to spend a little bit of time today framing up um, preparation. So be prepared, maybe read through the book of Ecclesiastes or the first chapter that we just heard today. Um, And then we're going to do today some practices, some practices that allow us to maybe be ready, be readied um, for the words that the teacher is going to bring us from Ecclesiastes. And so in looking back, you know, it's the 27th of December. And so we want to look back at this year. And the writer says that in the midst of the unusual and the hard in these circumstances, Um, that we should press deeper into that. And sometimes we have a bit of an aversion. And so as you think back over the last year, I just want to create some space for us to lament. There's an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. There's Psalms in the Bible that are about lament. And lament is basically that we get to show up with our anger and we get to show up with our sadness. And we're not just going to do that. We're also going to look at where in these unexpected moments we've experienced joy. But today we want to spend a little bit of time um, thinking back. So I'm going to allow or just create a bit of time for that to happen. So I want you to think about, and there'll be questions that pop up on the screen, I want you to think about this last year and this disruption that we've experienced, the unusual moments. And I want you to ask yourself, um, in the midst of life not being usual, what have you found hard? 
What has made you sad this year? What has made you angry? And the good thing about Lamentations into the Bible is that we get to be angry and sad about the things that we've done, the things that we've done to others or we've done in the world, or we get to be angry and sad about things that have been done to us. So just maybe if you're sitting there with your family, like ask each other that question or with your roommates, or maybe you're sitting there alone, grab a piece of paper and write it down. Think for a minute about 2020. What has made you angry? What has made you sad? And as you name those things, it's a lament. We get to lament. So let's spend a little bit of time lamenting. And so now this teacher invites us to press, Ecclesiastes, the teacher invites us to press deeper into our pain, which is what we've done. Like you've named those things either vocally as a family or as, as friends or on a piece of paper. It's right to do that, to press in deeper. And then we also want to spend a little bit of time um, thinking about in this moment where there is the unusual we often experience joy. As a pastor, I've officiated um, different funerals. And oftentimes during a funeral or in being with people who, who've lost a loved one, there's often laughter or silliness or jokes that are exchanged. And sometimes people say that they don't know if that's okay. And I think that's where joy finds us, even in the midst of pain. And that's such a vivid illustration for me because it's something that I've experienced consistently in that space of loss. And so while we name the space of loss, it's also really important that we attend or attune to the ways that joy has found us. So as you think back to 2020, I want you to think about the ways that you were surprised by goodness or by beauty or by laughter like things that maybe even you believe that Jesus brought into your life to bring, um, to bring joy. And, and in order to help us get our minds around this, because sometimes it's difficult, I ask people in the community to name some of those things. And so here's a few videos of people at Missio who were able to express ways that they found joy in this last year. Hi, Missio. One of the things that's brought me joy during COVID so far would be the downtime. I've got to pick up new hobbies as well as refine some of the hobbies I enjoyed doing before all of this. And me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've enjoyed working from home because I work a nine to five usually at the office and we live with a family. So it's been super fun getting to play with the kids during lunchtime and also Dallas makes me a hot meal sometimes for lunch. This music makes me joyful. Me too. <laughs> uh, so the question that we or Johnny asked us to, to contemplate and to talk about was, um, where have we found joy in the midst of the COVID season um, and having a baby during quarantine and COVID and the overall craziness yeah. of 2020? 
I would say like the biggest area of joy was with having Quinn was just that um, there was just less pressure to be out doing things and less pressure that we're just not as busy. So it's just been really fun um, being at home because we practice being at home during this season. There's not a lot going on. And so I, as like an extrovert, don't feel like I have um, the same pressure to go out and maintain some sort of life that I had pre-COVID. I just kind of get to be home with my kids and figure out how to be a family of four and snuggle and this newborn baby. And it's been really great. And it's been really, I mean, other than waking up in the middle of the night, it's been really restful. For sure. But for you. Um... I mean, mine might be a little bit differently, and also I didn't have to actually carry the child, so it might not be fair. Um, but I'd say like 2020 and quarantine and with COVID, um, everything's felt so unknown, and so there's not much to look forward to. And so with a baby, like we've had, you know, a due date, like we've known that, and so we've had, you know, nine months basically. We found out we were, you, you were pregnant pretty much right as quarantine started, like back in March. Um, and throughout that whole period, we've had something to look forward to and something like definitive. So there's, you know, this, this idea of like anticipation, basically, where we're, we're working towards something like whether we're doing the nursery, whether we're repainting a room, like all the little tasks, yeah. but also just also like just anticipating the excitement of having yeah, so, kid, so in so. the midst of that, it's felt like everything around us is so chaotic. We can't control. Are we going back in lockdown? Are we doing this? Am I going back to the office? Am mm. I working from home? Are you going into school? Like all these things that feel out of our hands. Like, yes, having a baby is also completely out of my hands. Um, but at least there was a, a date and something to look forward mm -hmm. to that was definitive. Did you know that you can even find joy in the doctor's office? Um, I have to say we have been so grateful that we we're able to take our kiddos when they get sick into urgent care and to have wonderful care from the doctors and nurses that are here um, amidst this pandemic. So we find joy in getting to experience Jesus through the doctors and the nurses. And yeah, I think we are focusing a lot on that this year. Doesn't he look so joyful? <laughs> so now that you've um, heard those stories of joy, I want you to exchange stories of joy, like in your family unit where you're sitting there or with your family or um, friends or just name them, jot them down or draw a picture just now of something in 2020 that you've been surprised by. Beauty, laughter, joy. How has joy found you? in this last year. As Heather's practices, they bring together these two things that feel so divergent, lament and joy. And that is exactly what the book of Ecclesiastes does. In fact, it's exactly what the story of Advent does. It holds these things that feel so divergent, convergent realities, and brings them into one space. God, who is the infinite creator of the universe, is incarnate and present. And in the midst of sorrow and pain, there could be joy and hope. And in the midst of arrival, there could also be waiting. It's like this whole thing is these two themes and ideas that don't seem to make that much sense, that it could be strange and yet joyful. 
And it's funny, you and I had not talked about this, but the phrase strange joy, the first time I ever used that was at a funeral. Um, To name that what we were doing was a strange and hard joy. That it is beautiful and so joyous to celebrate a life, but it is strange to try to envision what that life looks like without the other. There's something strange and marvelous and hard and joyful about that space. And the place that we find this convergence of two things that feel so separate and yet have to be together, the primary place that we practice that is at the table. Because in the table, you have these convergent things become one that in the death of Christ, we are welcomed into a new life. And at this space where we name our sin and we name our pain and we name the hurt and the evil that we have committed and that we have done and that has been done to us, we also find freedom and life and healing. And all of those things are converging in a space that, well, that's strange. But that's exactly what we're invited into, the strange and the joy, the hard and the beautiful, the healing and the hope. So, Missio, there's no better way, I think, than after the two practices that Heather gave us. There's no other practice that feels more appropriate, both for closing out 2020 as a church and for entering into 2021 as a church, than the table. We take all that 2020 was and we bring it to this space. And we enter into the life that Christ has called us to. So, Missio, wherever you are, whether you're watching this in your home, with your family, or your housemates, or you're watching this like on your phone, at a, at a table, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, would you find elements of communion of the table, bread and juice, something that kind of reflects those things, and would you take communion with us? Would this be a symbol and a mark of us, the people of Jesus, as kind of our final corporate act in 2020? That in the midst of all of it, In the midst of all the strangeness, of all the weirdness, of all the hard and the mundane and the quarantining, our God lays a table and calls us home. So, Mr. let us pray together and then we'll take communion. Jesus, thank you that um, you are with us. And that even in this like vaporous life that the teacher of Ecclesiastes' name, you are with us in the vapor. In the fleeting and in the passing and the fragility of this existence, you are with us, that you lay a table before us and you invite us to know you. God, as we reflect on 2020, would we be able to have the strength and courage and vulnerability to lament? And similarly, would we be able to name what has brought us joy? And we would bring all of those things into this space that you have created for us. Come to them at the table. And with the convergence of all those things, then give us an imagination for what it looks like to enter into 2021 as your people. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen.